This is the Millionaire Real Estate Podcast, where you'll learn the strategies and tactics you need to become a millionaire agent. Learn from top agents, brokers, team leaders, and experts in the industry who can help you on the path to success. And now, here's today's episode. Hello, everyone. We are so glad that you're with us. And one of my absolute favorite people is our guest today. It is Ryan Hodge, and he is actually born and raised in London, Ontario. He loves coaching his children's sports and teams, and he actually speaks at real estate seminars all over North America and Europe. He's actually been down. Um, he's actually done an event for us in person. So I really got a chance to meet him and you are going to fall in love with him just like I have. And so today we are going to be talking about the key pillars of real estate productivity. We're going to be talking about key strategies and techniques that realtors can use in their productivity in sales or leadership. So Ryan, welcome. Oh, it is such an honor to be here, my friend. And uh, <laughs> gosh, the kind words, you're going to make me blush. Uh, talk about uh, talk about making people feel good. And you certainly are so great at that. I, I was blessed to spend some time with you and your organization, gosh, a few years ago now. And the leadership, the culture, the people that were just so engaging. That's one of my favorite speaking events that I've ever done. So thank you for, for that. And of course, for, for having me here today. Yeah, it's been amazing. So let's dive right in. So first, start with telling us what are the four key pillars of real estate productivity? And I will say right now, I've never seen our productivity in agents in their key action steps lower. Like I feel like I feel like the last couple of years were actually a hindrance to us because the phone rang so much and things were so hot and heavy that people got out of their routine of, you know, they were kind of more disciplined. And now that they didn't do it, now all of a sudden it's like, wait, why isn't the phone ringing? For sure. And as an owner as well, I've seen it. I mean, market to market across North America, many were down about 40% in the fourth quarter. People, a lot of that's carried forward. And I say it responsibly. I know that the market's been challenging even in the past couple of years, but from a productivity standpoint, we've been more like order takers, I, I, I like to say, because you know, the pricing was the seller's decision and we were the heroes and everything else. It wasn't that hard for us to get into that space of productivity, but now the game has changed. And so what we need to look at is what I reference as four key pillars of productivity. So everybody has probably heard the term karma here, right? What goes around comes around. It's very circular energy. What most real estate agents practice and play in is that karmic space where they have a great idea or they learn something new. They take a little bit of action, they get a result, and then they get too caught up in the transactional side of the business, you know, doing contracts, home inspections, all the rest. They stop doing what got them busy in the first place and they're back to square one. That's where we see these massive, massive peaks and valleys inside of real estate. And right now we're seeing a big one for those that aren't in that place of productivity. Linear productivity is a little bit different, and it's something that I've uncovered along the way of, you know, supporting other agents, you know, selling over, you know, a thousand homes personally myself, and certainly being involved in over 10,000 real estate transactions. And the linear productivity that I talk about is based in four key pillars. One 
is your foundation, your personal and professional foundation. You know, what allows you to bring the best version of you into each and every experience every single day? Do you have, you know, a specific goal in mind? That's your intention. But do you know the actions that are required that need to align with those intentions to hit your goal? Because ultimately, a goal is nice in theory. We can say it. But unless we have specific and measurable actions to achieve that goal, it's really just theory. And we don't want to play in that space of theory right now. So in order to align our intentions with our actions, we need to know pillar number two, which is predictable business cultivation. In other words, predictable lead generation and, and having that in place each and every day. A lot of people talk about time management. I reference a lot more with choice management and the choices that we make inside of our time. Three are back-end systems and processes. When you work with somebody like Kenzel, I know that a lot of that stuff's looked after for you. A lot of it's in place for you that makes your job easier, which is really keeping the three vital signs of real estate alive and well, setting appointments, conducting appointments, and negotiating contracts. And four, as you get more productive, as you get busy, the fourth pillar is leverage and really looking at other human beings and technology to allow you to do more, to do it quicker, and to do it at a more highly productive level. So four key pillars, foundation, predictable business cultivation, your back-end systems and processes, and assessing, scaling, and leveraging for more. So let's talk about real specific of the real estate metrics that you advise for your agents where you say, okay, you've got to figure out this is how many cold calls you're, you're making. This is how much time you're spending doing lead gen. This is how much time you're doing open houses. And, you know, what are what is what you're saying is where you need to be if you want to be a top producer and where are most of the agents falling in? Sure. Well, most agents will not set the boundary to do a minimum of two hours a day, five days a week, non-negotiable lead generation, whatever that might be for you, whether it's open houses, whether it's door knocking and cold calling, whether it's online lead generation, whether it's, you know, utilizing specific social media strategies, most won't take two hours a day, five days a week to do that. If, if somebody does that consistently, you write your ticket for whatever you want your real estate income to be. That is guaranteed. It's empirically tested and true. There's no theory to it. So let's talk about a few of these metrics. Number one, open houses, which as a brand new agent or an experienced agent even is a great source of income and revenue. And so on a conservative level, if your skill set is not even really honed in, one in three open houses should result in a buyer client over the next six to 18 months. And a lot of them will come a lot sooner than that, especially if you work on your motivation strategies to getting people off the fence. But you can easily tell right there that if you wanted to do, let's say, 50 sales from open houses, you need to do 150 open houses on average. And a lot of people might say, wow, that's a lot. But in the realm of all that is possible, is it possible? It is. And you can do more than one open house a week. And now open houses might not be your thing, or you might not want to do that many, but I'm sharing the strategies that are actually tested. There's too much theory, too much distraction, too much big shiny objects in the real estate space right now being trained by theorists that have never really sold a house. What I'm looking at is the stuff that has worked 
continues to work and will always work if you hone in your skill sets and you commit to it. Another example would be- well, I want to stay right there on the open yeah. because um, tell me your ratio again, because I'm going to see if it works. Say it one more time of how many open houses you need to do for how many closings? One in three. So three open houses for a closing. Now, what I will reference is that it's ideal to do a little bit lower price point, good curve appeal, new to the market listings, not taking the experienced agents listing that's stale for over six months, but getting something that's hot to the market that's going to generate that activity. Your conversion rate will increase in that case. Yeah. And I, I know a husband and wife team and that they do nothing else. So like they don't do a lot else on any other kind of lead generation. That's their thing. They do about two open houses every single week. So that's about a hundred, a hundred open houses a year that they do and they do it every week and they sell about 30 homes a year. So if you think about that, that math kind of works. It's kind of the same thing that you're saying, but they don't do anything else. Like they don't, you know, now they'll post the open house on social media and they'll do a little bit else, but they've just decided that's what I'm going to do. I'm doing two open houses every single week and they do it consistently without fail. And what I'm seeing happening all the time is someone comes in, they do, they'll do two open houses, three open houses, it doesn't work for them. And they go, oh, this doesn't work for me. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a long game. And when you've got great leadership like yourselves and the people that you've got in place in your different offices, if somebody gives you, you know, and, and I'm sure that you can attest to this, somebody gives me 30 days of consistent activity or six months or even three months of consistent activity, if they're getting a result, great. Hopefully they keep doing that because they're going to get more results. But if they don't, but they're doing the activity, that's okay because we can help people in that case. It's when they just try it, they just kind of put their foot in the water and then they take it back out. That's ultimately where the lack of productivity really happens. This is something that needs to happen consistently. Okay. So we talked about open houses. What about social media? What are you seeing that's working for lead gen on social media? So social media is something that I think is either very proactive or reactive. I have a strategy that I've, I've used and applied. I spoke about it the last time we were there. I still use it to this day. It's a simple, simple framework of sending private messages. For me, it's through Facebook. That's my number one platform, but you could do it through Instagram or some of the other platforms simple messages that don't sell. And if you do that consistently, just like offline, the online conversation often goes to what's the big question everybody asks us when they're no, we know what they're, they know we're in real estate, how's the market, which lends to building that list. And I've been fortunate to build, you know, a hundred plus, you know, transaction years and a hundred plus agent real estate office here in Ontario, Canada using primarily these messages. And within these messages, you can start to track and measure how they go. And as you track and measure them, and as you build your list, here's a simple thing. If you build your list of people that you can then start nurturing with email, with, you know, snail mail, with, you know, sending other messages or picking up the phone, which we still need to do a list of a hundred people. How often do people move every five to seven years? So conservatively, a list of 100 people every seven years mean there's 14.3 closings in that list. 
if you're nurturing them appropriately. So think about what you can do just through finding people on social media, your personal social media, the people that want to connect and share with you online, because that's what it's there for, that if you nurture those people, watch how your list expands and how you build it quicker than just the traditional list. One of the things that I always ask myself at the end of the day is I look at my time, my energy, and my concentration. And I ask myself at the end of the day, like, how much of my time did I spend on customer service and answering emails and answering questions? And how much of my time is done on lead generation? And so for me, that would be, you know, attracting top talent in our in leadership, because that's where the prospecting that I should be doing is trying to find top leaders from around the country and kind of getting them on board with our leadership. And so I kind of have to evaluate my day and go, you know, how did I do? Was I just answering emails all day, answering customer service? And I feel like that's what happens with agents is they just answer emails. They do customer service type things. And then the lead generation piece is what's missing. So how do they go, okay, we've got to steer that window back and move that needle right back to lead gen in order to do that? What is your suggestion? So I think that we need to set a a minimal commitment for ourselves daily, five days a week, number one. and, And knowing that, being very, very crystal clear with that as well. Number two, you know, creating those boundaries that are necessary. And There's a lot of people that train on time management. Truly, I believe it's a myth because most of them haven't actually been in this business, which can be unpredictable, whether you're in the leadership space and a major issue comes up, or if you're in the agent space and your client just has an emergency or something that needs to be dealt with. But here's the thing. If you get more ritualistic in nature with knowing that, you know, there's a specific number of contacts that you need to make, whatever time of day it is and you have that as your minimal standard each day, you can then evaluate whether your day was a win or whether it wasn't. And it doesn't matter what gets in the way because you've got that specific metric to say, I made the certain amount of activity that I committed to, even if my day didn't unfold the way that I thought it was going to. And so it is about creating those boundaries. It is about understanding there's a massive difference between one, being productive versus busy. Busy doesn't mean that we're productive. And two, working on the business versus in the business, which is just the transactional side of it. So one of the things I always say is that you're unemployed until your next sale. So when you're in real estate, you earn the money, you get paid, and then you're actually unemployed again, right? That's how real estate works. So we want to teach everybody how to conduct themselves as a business and not just be real estate agents because business owners, being a business owner will help you retire. And so I want you to look at something that is the next level, which is Robert Kiyosaki's cash flow quadrant. And so what he says is, is that the next level of a business owner is like, okay, ask yourself, am I on this side or am I on this side? Am I just self-employed or am I a business owner or do I take it to the next level 
and have passive income. And that's really what is great is because we teach you, number one, how to operate on this side where you're a business owner and also are creating passive income. And what I say is, does your system, does your business work independently from you? Like, have you ever been to a real estate agent retirement party like I never have right like I've seen people you know that have been in real estate for a really long time it ages you but I know one thing I don't want to be showing homes on Saturdays and Sundays getting calls at night and I don't want to when I'm 65 years old doing that and so that's what we're trying to solve is saying why don't agents retire well there's all kinds of reasons you know they there's no retirement contribution matched by their employer healthcare prices are going up prices in general are just insane right now and even if you have a rental property that maybe makes three thousand dollars a month you're spending two thousand dollars on expenses and then you just aren't making enough passive income. So what we wanna teach you how to do, we call it now and later. Like, you know the candy, now and later? Well, we wanna have you have money now, and your now money is helping buyers and sellers buy their home and sell their home. Yes, let's do a little bit of that, we're going to help you create that later money, which is where we can retire or at least have some kind of retirement money addition to what we're already making. And so that is the real basis of our brokerage. You can build your own brand, you can be successful, and we give you all the tools and support to fast track your business to success. So what are the number of contacts that you're, if you're, if an agent says to you, listen, I want to, I want to close 30 houses a year. What is the number of contacts that you're suggesting that they're making? And what is kind of the exact script that you're seeing that's working in our, is it on Facebook Messenger? Is it just a text message? Is it a video text? What do you see that's working the best? So I'm going to keep this so simple and give you guys a dialogue that has led to millions of dollars in commission and, you know, my operation revenue from a growth standpoint. And it goes like this. And you can, you can alter this and I'll give you an alternate dialogue to it. Um, hey there, it's been a little while. And this is through your private Facebook messenger or Instagram messaging. It's been a little while since we've connected. I just got into a new business with a new company. And I'd like to send you some information. Please send me your email address, your phone number, and your mailing address. That message does not sell. You're offering to send people value. And guess what? There are going to be a lot of people that don't even respond. So I'll give you the metrics for me. But wait, let me ask you a question on that. Let's say when you say you got into a new business with a new, let's pretend that they've been I mean, let's say they've been with the company for 10 years. Sure. That wouldn't that message wouldn't make sense, would it? So let's flip it then for those that are experienced with a company. Hey, there are a lot of people have had questions about the changing real estate market. And I want to update my clients or the people that I engage with on social media with information. Please send me your email address, phone number, and mailing address. Mm, got it. 
here's even simpler. Let's simplify the complex. Hey, how's it going? How are things in your world right now? And guess what? If people are on your social media and you have them there, if they're not even responding to that, should they really be there? Okay, a lot of people observe, but we're in this to, you know, number one, nurture our clients, but two, to engage. That's what the platform's there for. So sometimes we have to evaluate who's on our list. But ultimately, when I started this, I had about a thousand people total. Only about 300 people actually responded to that first initial message. And of that 300 people, only 100 people actually gave me the information that I requested. A lot of them weren't the people that I expected to, but in that 100 people list that sent me that information and became an absolute gold mine of a database that I could start sending video email or video text or check-ins, market updates, snail mail, you know, all the stuff that we're supposed to do that we know we need to do, but it's just a much simpler, non-intrusive way. But we have to ask how are we going to remind people that we're in the business and also remind them that we're open for business? We're not too busy because nobody's waking up each day and saying, I wonder how Ryan Hodges' real estate career is doing today. Not even my folks, right? I wish that they did, but they don't. Mm. Well, I have a listener question that I want to an- I want you to answer, and it's long, so I'm going to kind of break it down to just the meat of it. But it says, I'm really feeling bad because I had a client that I've taken out to dinner. I've taken them out to dinner. They've come to my house. I've done things for their kids. And they have an $800,000 property that they just listed. And he said he listed it with a client, uh, with an agent that he went to school with. And he didn't use me because he felt like that they were doing already really well. And this other agent wasn't doing that well and they felt like felt bad they needed to give the business to them and what kind of advice and i i think that anyone who's an agent can really relate to that and and basically he he writes that like it really kind of just sent him downhill into a downward spiral because he was thinking oh my gosh if this person lists with someone else Here, I've had them over to dinner at my house. I've paid for dinner for them. I've done all the things right. And this person who I would be convinced would have used me, used someone else. Talk about just mentally where you have to go with that. Because, you know, sometimes that can put you into a tailspin. I get it. And and I feel for you. And I'm going to share a story that will will hopefully lend some insight and soften the blow. Because... You know what? If you've been in real estate for a while, this happens to all of us at a few points in our career where we think we've got a slam dunk client. We've done everything right. But number one, I say, how was our messaging? Because sometimes might people might think we're too busy or we didn't actually ask. We didn't ask for the business and we need to ask. Number two, there's no victims. Okay. The victim mindset dilutes the human potential. And so my whole thing is, This is going to happen from time to time. So how do I create more opportunities always and consistently that when the one-off that I thought was a slam dunk didn't come together, I move on very quickly and I learn from it. I check myself as far as what was that messaging like? Did I not really, really indicate that I wanted to be their realtor, but maybe I was just indicating that we're good friends. 
And remember this, sometimes we don't know who the client actually knows. Was their uncle or somebody that's their best friend from years ago a realtor? And we just didn't know that. So we need to move past it because it happens. Um, I'll share this. I have a brother who's about 10 years younger than me. He just bought a $1.5 million home a couple of years ago with another agent. Now, I had sold his toast, but guess what? He heard me because of my message and say, I don't work with buyers anymore, which I don't. However, when I have taken my kid brother out to help him build and buy a $1.5 million house, I would. So I moved back to, it was in my messaging somehow that he didn't get the crystal clear message that I was in the business, open for business and ready to work with him. So we can always move back to that place of reaction, you know, reacting to, oh, this person didn't use me versus response, which is in the realm of personal responsibility thing. Where was it? Maybe some of the things that I did that didn't lend to this unfolding the way that I thought it would or wanted it to. But ultimately, am I just creating so many opportunities that when these things happen, it's not going to bother me much because one of the best words to ever learn in real estate is next. <laughs> my mom, listen, this is the best line my mom always says. So like whenever I call her and I'm like, mom, blah, 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 and I'm venting about something, she always says to me, moveon.com. She's just move like, .com, love. that's what she says no matter what. She's like, Chantel, moveon.com. And sometimes you really have to say that to yourself over and over again because if you start going down that rabbit trail and being like da, 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 you you will go down fast and you just have to completely stop that mind trail and go up oh, move on.com who else am i gonna and but i do think what you just said is really important because when you were going out to dinner did you talk about real estate did you remind them you know because sometimes i think people do these things but they don't tie it back to asking for that business. And that's the piece that people aren't doing anymore is asking for the business. So give us some more practical techniques of what you do to truly ask for the business in a kind of nicer way, maybe. What I always look at is what questions keep the consumer up at night? You know, and I try and craft my message to that, whether it's from a leadership standpoint, whether it's the coaching standpoint, whether it's to my clients. You know, right now, people probably have a lot of questions about what, what does the market look like? What are homes selling for down the street? What I look to do is provide value without seeking anything in return. So how do I consistently provide value to my clients with market updates or what's going on in the community, what we call you know, letters from the heart where we're sharing some of the things that we do with charity or community or within the company that I have, you know, to show that we're doing more beyond the real estate transaction as well. You know, it's a before, during and beyond process so that people feel that we are the obvious choice. Sometimes we don't get them, but our ratio is pretty good for those that engage with us, know who we are and what we do. And so I think that some of the real strategies is to understand in your own foundation and what I find with so many real estate professionals, the number one answer that people always say gets in the way of them being productive is time. We already talked about time a bit. You know what the number two answer is? Hmm. Fear. Fear is always the answer. And it is not only the fear of failure, you know, looking bad or bothering people, 
but sometimes it's the fear of success as well. And what I share is that we've had this stigma on us for many years as far as, you know, what real estate professionals are, maybe, you know, one step below used car sales or however the, the media wants to paint us from time to time. But here's the thing. We are in an unlimited income earning opportunity. We are in a place and space to be one of the greatest professional services in any type of market or in any type of industry. And so when we can take that on and we can become that obvious choice for the consumer, that fear of failure and fear of success really diminishes it. It's about understanding that energy associated with it in order to move past it. Mm. You know, one of the things that I love about you and that draws me to you is just your vulnerability and you being your authentic self. And I just think that's one of the things that realtors, you know, they want to be like always talking about the highs and it's like, oh, look at me and this award and yay and boom and rah, 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 shish, kaboom, rah. And we forget that really what draws people to you is your vulnerability and really being authentic. And, you know, it kind of even talking about like if you, you know, had a hard day and here's what happened or, you know, things that, you know, Things that you have found, like if you're working with a client, you know, I had a client ask me today about this and whatever's really going in, on in the day in the life of real estate agents, posting that people can really connect with you. And I think you do it so well also. And what we're really talking about here, folks, is, is something that I, I train on. And a lot of people don't talk about it in the real estate industry, but it's right there for us. And it's called story branding. And story branding or storytelling, story sharing, however you want to call it, usually has three key elements. Because here's the thing. Let me backtrack quickly. We all want more. Okay? We all want to do more sales. That's what we're in business for. We all want to have you know, the recognition. That feels good. However, if we really want to work with the clients that we want to serve, not the ones that just put themselves on our plates, but the ones that we want, the great ones. If we want to have those deep-rooted relationships, yes, we've got to cast a wider net through all these strategies. But the key is, how do we take our audience to the depth? And story is a way to do that. Story really has three factors to it. You have, one, your character. Some people call it the protagonist or the hero in the story. That could be you and sharing your story. I do that a lot, very transparently. Or it can be your clients. Because in every story, there's usually the second part, which is conflict, right? What conflict are they having? It might be that their home sat on, you know, the market for 90 days and they were frustrated and they really needed to sell. And the resolution to the story, which is where you might come in. You can share story in so many different ways, whether you're a leader whether you're in sales, whether it's for yourself to serve and support from that deep-rooted, vulnerable space, which I think really, you know, gets people that deep, deep level. Or you can really explore, you know, doing that for your clients on a consistent base, basis with feel-good stories, inspiring stories of how you serve the clients, because that is going to do a lot more than you being the next realtor sitting on a Benz or a Lambo talking about how many sales you just had. 
I agree. Well, this has been amazing. We have run out of time, but tell listeners, I would like for you guys to show some love in the chat and tell Ryan how much you appreciate him for being on today. But I also would love for you to tell listeners where they can find you, where they can follow you. For sure. Thank you so much. Uh, It's an honor to always serve and support. Uh, You can find me at ryanhodge.com. We've got a new website coming there, but it should be uh, up to at least get some information right now. Uh, You can follow me on Facebook. You can follow me on Instagram at ryanhodgeofficial. Same thing with YouTube. I post tons of content, long form, short form, daily videos. And if you want to hear a little bit more on the personal development space, my book, www.theintegritybow.com. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave a rating and a review so we can get this out to more agents. And tune in next week for another power-packed episode. This is the Millionaire Real Estate Podcast.